it always makes me happy just thinking about that moment of just all the struggles of like what high school ordeal it was and PCR was always there like we're here for you you got this hello and welcome to steady state podcast your rowing fix where the water is flat the catches are clean and you can always hear the coxswain we're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. We're really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water, that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. And when it comes to clubs and boathouses, we like to go behind the scenes to find out what makes them engaging, inclusive, successful, and fun. With that in mind, our Club Spotlight series takes us across the country and around the world. Today, we're going to the city of brotherly love to get to know Philadelphia City Rowing. PCR is a nonprofit organization drawing on the proven power of sports to empower public school students to reach their highest potential. With a small staff, lots of heart, and the support of numerous partners, the newest neighbor on Boathouse Row is leading the way in changing the face of rowing on the Schuylkill River. We're talking with PCR Executive Director Caitlin Mance, Community Outreach and Inclusion Manager George Rowley, and coaches my heart and Christina Labella. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good Hi. morning, everyone. I'm Caitlin Rance, and I'm the executive director of Philadelphia City Rowing. Um, we are a nonprofit in Philadelphia that engages youth in the school district of Philadelphia in the sport of rowing and works to empower them through all of the amazing lessons that we've all learned from the sport. My name is George Rowley. I'm the uh, community outreach manager and middle school manager for PCR. One, my name is Christina Labella. Um, I am an assistant novice and middle school coach at PCR, and I'm also um, an alumni. I spent uh, four years in high school with PCR as a men's coxswain. Um, my name is My Heart. Um, I'm an alumni coach at PCR, um, working uh, for the varsity men, and I'm also the boatyard assistant. This episode, we're moving rapid fire to the first 500. Let's get to know the folks at PCR even more. We're going to ask each of you to answer this question uh, or these questions, and let's do this in order. We're going to have Caitlin, then George, Christina, and Mai. Okay, yeah. sweep or skull? Skull. Sweet. Sweet. Skull. Bow seat, stroke seat, or engine room? Six seat. <laughs> oh, I'll go bow. 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 <laughs> Salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. Fresh water. Fresh. Fresh water. Sprint race or head race? Head race. Sprint. Head race. Sprint. Concept two, RP3 or water oh. rower? Oh my God. I mean, I know, I know. If we had enough money to buy an RP3, it'd be, it'd be RP3 all the way, but Concept2. Yeah, Concept2. Concept2. They're also uh, great program partners. 
Okay. So C2s across the board. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shoes or barefoot on the erg? Shoes. Little shoes. Shoes. Same. Barefoot. Barefoot. Nice. On the erg monitor, calories, watts, or splits? Watts. Splits. 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 <laughs> Favorite coxswain command to give or receive? Paddle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Port pressure. Port pressure? Mm -hmm. Empty the tank. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say empty the tank. (laughs) That's why I say that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uni or tank and trowel? was a contentious issue with us. <laughs> um, uni. I'm going to go with a uh, tank and trial. I'm going to go with uni. Uni. Okay, last but not least, coffee before or after a row? Before. Before. And after. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that too, but before. <laughs> oh. Well, it's both. How's your rowing week going? I would actually say for all of us, uh, this week has been kind of an adjustment. Um, It's been very nice dealing with like, we had a beautiful week of nice weather in Philly. uh, So it actually warmed up for us. um, And it was so nice. Uh, We have the kids erging outside right now. um, And it was just beautiful to have everyone like uh, start coming back. Um, our winter season was a little rocky because um, of like the weather and, you know, we have to do the Zoom um, and everything with COVID. Um, so it's been really nice to see everyone kind of like trickle back in and get super excited uh, for the spring season. So it's been really fun this week. Great. Anyone else? George? Mai? Yeah, I, w- I would just kind of echo Christina's sentiments. Um, it's been really fun kind of falling out I would say this week, um, everybody coming back, seeing everyone in person has been really, really special um, and just kind of navigating what the spring will look like coming together as a coaching staff as well. It's been pretty cool. And are you guys going from uh, you, you have two locations, you have a like a workout location and a boathouse location or are you all in one spot? So we typically have had a land location where we do indoor training and we have our classroom set up for um, students and then the office for coaches and staff to work from. Um, we have not been in it in the last two years, uh, due to COVID, it doesn't have any really ventilation, um, other than the HVAC system, which is, uh, undersized for the number of students that we have in there. Um, so we've been training outside at our boatyard facility on Boathouse Row. Um, we have a fenced in 2000 square feet or so, um, right outside of a rec center. Um, kids use the boat there. They use the bathrooms in the rec center. Um, And then we have moved like a steel shipping container to the parking lot. And um, Mm. the kids are bringing the ergs out every day and have been training outside provided the weather um, is nice, but we are in the process of hopefully securing a new space um, with better ventilation. That's much bigger. So it'll accommodate our growth um, and bring us into some new neighborhoods in Philly. So that's very exciting. And hopefully 
uh, will be finished in, we'll have that finished in about a month. Wow. That sounds like a great project. (laughs) Yes. It's a big one. Um, but should be exciting. I love Philly so much. Uh, I love coming there for the U S rowing convention. That was highlight of my year because we got to go to Boathouse Row and, and see you guys. So where on Boathouse Row are are y'all in the strip? My so we're <laughs> located kind of at the very first section of it, um right next to um Lloyd Hall. It's right off of Sledgley. So and then our neighbor is Fairmount. So it's the very first spot. <laughs> Yes. So boathouse number one. We don't actually have a boathouse. So <laughs> we we are our address is number one, but we are just in a fenced in yard. And then the kids use the rec center kind of as a locker room, but we don't have an indoor space on boathouse row. Um, but we are gotcha. closest to the art museum side of things. So one of the things we love to talk about on the show is uh, your rowing origin story. Well, we'll get started with Caitlin. If you could talk a little bit about um, how you got involved with rowing and what got you hooked. Sure. Um, I actually started rowing um, as a junior in high school. Um, I was a swimmer before that. Very traditional story in that sense (laughs) for a lot of rowers. Um, But I was just I was done with swimming. Um, my older brother was a swimmer and that was kind of like more of his thing. So, um, one of my friends from swimming had actually started rowing at CRI. Um, and I, uh, had talked to her about some stuff. And so, um, I actually started as a scholar at Narragansett. Um, and I just kind of loved it instantly. I've always loved being on the water and that kind of sense of peace. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that I took to pretty quickly. And so, um, I just, I had talked to friends about how to like get recruited or whatever. And so I went to the YMCA and I did a 2K on my own and then um, started talking to college coaches and uh, kind of never looked back after that. I think it's interesting that you started as a scholar. I'm not sure I've heard that that often from, um, <laughs> from high school rowers. Yes, um, I was like one of the first uh, juniors out of Narragansett. I started in like all the recreational things and then just kind of signed up for like 20 different classes and forced them to let me grow more competitively. Yeah. How long have you been at PCR? Um, This is my fourth season. So it'll be four years in August. Uh, Let's see. How about my, you're a PCR alum. So is PCR where you learned to row and what got you interested in rowing? As I was going to school, I used to be a part of different sports, soccer, tennis, volleyball, and around the lunch table, a group of my friends, this was freshman year. um, We were all just getting to know each other. We were going around listing off the things that we've done and most of them just went ahead and said, oh, I play basketball, I run track. And I was like, okay, well, I've done all of these. But then another person at the table was like, I have a sport that I know you won't be able to do. And I said, okay, when's tryouts? What time? And he was like, it's rowing. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. But I always used to pass by the bow houses. And I was just like, huh, that looks pretty cool. But when they told me about it, I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. The next day, 
Um, I go into uh, the indoor facility at 27. What's going on here? I was completely lost. And then I talked to one of the coaches that was there. Um, they explained everything to me. They got me set up on an erg. That was day one. Set me down on an erg row. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing if I'm doing this right. And later on in practice, the coach comes and he was like, oh, wow, you did good. And I was like, did I really? I have no idea. After we get on the water, uh, I would have to say most terrifying experience I've possibly had. Uh, it was first time out there on the river, super scared, no idea what to do. And the coach was like, all right, it's getting close to end practice all eight. And I was like, what does that mean? Everybody else starts rowing and I'm just there like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> took an oar to the back, um, crabbed. <laughs> it was really bad. But at the end of it, when I got home, told my mom about it. She was like, sounds like you had a great day. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I did. I kind of want to keep doing this. Thank you for sharing my, what about Christina? How did you get involved? My freshman year of high school, I, uh, that fall, I was a volleyball player and I loved it. Um, and just like my, and, uh, the winter season came and I was like, huh, well, I don't really know what other sports like I want to do. Um, and I actually have a twin sister, um, who, uh, went to a different high school and she told me about, PCR. And she was like, all my friends are doing this rowing program. Uh, we think it's really cool. Uh, why don't you like come on the novice team with us? And I was like, okay, sure. I'll try this out. Um, and I got one of my friends uh, from my high school to join with me. Um, so I started off as a rower uh, with the novice women and I absolutely loved it. Um, I am a really like competitive, I love like working out intensely. Um, and I loved like the drive, um, of everyone else on the team. Um, and like the cool thing about PCR is that we all come from different schools. So I loved meeting so many different people from, you know, Masterman, Central, SLA, all of the big schools in uh, Philly. And then my sophomore year, I got sick and I was out of rowing for about a month, a little bit more than a month. And I came back and I hopped on an erg and it was atrocious. I was not fit enough. I could not keep up with everyone. And I came up to my coach and I was like, listen, I think I could be a coxswain. Uh, why don't I try this out? Um, and one of the coaches that's on our staff now, Coach Emily, um, I sat down with her and she gave me the rundown of that this is a hard job. And like, you know, you're going to have to learn all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to do it. Like, I love this. And they put me on the um, novice men's team. And I loved uh, the team, the coaches, um, everyone. We just all clicked together. Um, and I just, I loved being bossy. I love that they listened to me. Uh, I thought it was just so cool that like I was in charge and I was like, oh, this is such a cool like position. Like, oh my gosh. Um, I just felt it was such like an empowering position for me. Um, and I felt, uh, that I could have such a good influence on my boys, um, at the time, um, if I, you know, study all my cocks and stuff and fix my voice and I would try like new things with them. Uh, and it was just a blast. Um, so I really have to give credit to my team at that time for making me just like fall in love with it. And every day was so much fun. Yeah, I've always yeah. been really interested in high school coxswains because um, I got involved with rowing. I was about 21, 22 years old. And so all my 
experience with rowing has been as a master's and I've, uh, I'm quite small and I row as well as Cox. And I can't imagine being like a 15 or 16 year old with that mentality that you were just describing, Christina, that take charge. I want to be in charge. I want to learn. I want to help build this crew. I want to help the boys go faster. I just think that's such a cool place to be in as a young teenager and then and then build off of that into collegiate programs or master's program. No, it was such an empowering um, position, honestly, because at first I was a little disappointed that I couldn't you know, erg and keep up with my, you know, group, because I loved the fact that like I could work out and I didn't want to become a coxswain and then lose that um, working out um, attitude and like the fitness aspect of it. Um, But I completely became obsessed with it to the point. And my sister also became a coxswain as well. So it was really nice. The fact that my sister was on the women's team and I was on the men's team. Um, So at night we would come home from practice and just like go through videos together and like compare notes together and like critique um, our voices. Like I would record something and then she would be like, oh, I don't know, you don't really sound like that great on this part. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about you either. Um, So we would like go back and forth and we were so competitive with each other um, and I just loved it. Um, And I think most of the time, uh, you know, I had such a great coaching staff at that time who really encouraged me and listened to me. Being a coxswain is like the best job in the world because, you know, you're so organized in this, but it transfers over to so many other, you know, aspects of my life where it helps me, you know, with school or my job or whatever. So the translatable skills to business and life uh, are, are really incredible. And, and people think we're being very culty when we're like, no, really, you need to do rowing. But we're like, no, it helps you in like, you know, and I'm sure every sport can argue that every team sport can argue that. Uh, but I think we feel pretty biased. Yeah. I mean, um, rowing changed my trajectory completely when I was yeah. 22 years old, um, completely changed it and changed my philosophy about how I was living my life and starting my days. And I know a lot of other people that will say the same thing. I was, I was laughing because watching Christina wrangle, I don't know if you guys have ever worked with 20 high school boys, but, um, I've watched it (laughs) really. It's really special. Um, (laughs) it's it's really special, but watching Christina wrangle them and like, you know, she's small, right. And these boys are like six, two, (laughs) watching her get them in line. And, uh, it was pretty amazing. So. Because of our amazing patrons, we've been able to provide 16 Changemaker scholarships to rowers, coaches, and club founders who have big ideas for the future of our sport. When you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 a month, you support the Changemaker Scholarship Initiative and help develop new leaders in the rowing community. You'll also be the first to know about new episodes, get steady state freebies, and store discounts. Find out more at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. In two, we're back with Philadelphia City Rowing. That's one, two. So George, we have you maybe 
correctly or incorrectly pegged as a non-rower. So we want to hear your story and maybe give you uh, a chance. Did you, how did you get into PCR and have you tried rowing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a kind of unique perspective in my introduction to the sport and my origin. Um, and so I, I didn't row in high school or in college. I got introduced as actually like a camp counselor at a summer camp and after the summer of my freshman year in college. So I was kind of introduced to the sport that way. Yeah. Uh, my first day working there at the summer camp, I had no idea about the sport. I didn't know what to do. I just knew I had to show up for work. So I came there with like some shorts and a you know, college shirt. Uh, <laughs> and um, I had a quick introduction to the sport. And ever since then, I really did find the value in it. Um, I think Christina and Mike kind of highlighted how transformative it was in their lives. And I, I was able to see that firsthand, not just for the uh, the kids at the camp, but also in my life too, being able to be a part of something that was different, new to me, um, and also an opportunity for me to learn something brand new um, that I have been close to, but not really familiar with. And so ever since then, my freshman year, I kind of like stayed with the sport. And um, in Florida, a college, friend and I'm, a college friend of mine, we started a nonprofit, um, but I also was getting taking classes at Rollins College. They have a, a rowing program down there. So I was able to kind of sneak on the water a little bit um, whenever the coach would allow me to, to get some strokes in on the water down there. Um, but for the most part, my, my experience kind of relies more so like on the coaching aspect and like managing and, you know, administrative things like that. Uh, so I have a kind of a unique perspective on the sport where I feel like kind of, I'm able to see certain things that like Christina and I have been rowing for so long that when they're giving out instructions, they may forget about certain things, but because I can kind of see how it looks from a novice perspective on certain things, I'm able to kind of go over um, just a little more detail type things that, you know, they may overlook or something like that. So been able to kind of find value in that. Oh, that's excellent. It's, I think we underestimate members of the general public coming into rowing and providing great perspectives. Like we've had a bit of an issue since COVID, of course, of a, a anemic po coaching pipeline. You know, a lot of coaches had to leave boat houses that were downsizing and now they're off in the ether. And it's like, now we have an opportunity to develop new coaches. And I think looking outside the traditional pipeline of uh, folks and bringing in people who have professional experience or uh, uh, in different arenas to really have that unique perspective. I think that's really exciting. And it could be, you know, the rowing part is just here, you know, let's teach you the technique, but it's the team building and the coaching and the, uh, and the d details, like you said, do you have any memories of a specific time when you actually just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to step in and, and point out something that's going on here that would really benefit? Um, I think, not a specific time, but more so just like a mindset. Uh, when we have our summer learner row camps, a lot of times I'll be a little bit more hands-on or I'll demonstrate a different way um, just to make sure that all the new uh, rowers kind of understand exactly what we're asking for. Uh, maybe kind of use a lot more analogies and metaphors to help explain what we're trying to say. Uh, so more so, more so things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's more of a relatable, approachable mindset, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys have mentioned these summer camps a few times. Is that a big component to how PCR works and recruits and, and keeps, uh, sounds like you actually do maybe some coaching mentoring during those summer camps as well. Like you're elevating your alums. So tell me how the camps, tell us how the camps work. Yeah. Uh, so last year I think was probably, um, we had a summer camp in 2019, but I feel like this past summer was probably our best summer camp yet. 
Um, just for the simple fact that we had so much uh, coaching support and help. We had a lot of coaches. And this is the first time uh, since I've been a part of PCR that we were able to uh, give a lot of the high school rowers summer jobs. And so that right there kind of really goes back to our mission when it comes to empowering others and giving them, you know, development experience and things like that. Um, giving them a perspective of not just a role, but also a coach so they can get more appreciation for what we do. Uh, so it was a lot of jokes in the summertime where I you know, could tell them this is how we feel. We got to repeat ourselves 17 times or things like that. Um, so seeing them grow throughout the summer and, and that aspect has been really, really valuable. And it also helps with recruiting too. And we're able to say that we're able to provide summer jobs for our high school kids as well. So Caitlin, could you tell us a little bit about PCR and what makes it so special? Who rose there? Yeah, so um, uh, so Philadelphia City Rowing, we have um, we work with just students in the school district of Philadelphia, so public school students here who um, otherwise would have no opportunity to participate in the sport. And, you know, Philadelphia is the birthplace of American rowing. It's one of the biggest rowing hubs in the country. Um, you know, and we have things like city championships that until PCR kind of started really didn't include city kids. Um, and so that was kind of very important in the, the founding of, of PCR to make sure that we're giving opportunities for, um, you know, the transformational aspects of the sport that we, we see to, to everyone. Um, we offer three programs now. We've kind of evolved over the years. Our high school program is for ninth through 12th graders. Um, and it's a, you know, six days a week, we offer tutoring, SAT prep, swim lessons. Um, we have a full-time guidance counselor on staff, basically just trying to provide all of the wraparound supports um, that the school district doesn't provide. Um, Philly, just as a little bit of background, um, has one of the most inequitable funding, Pennsylvania in general, uh, inequitable funding systems of public education in the country. So there are a lot of challenges in Philadelphia specifically compared to neighboring districts. So our program really tries to fill the gaps of what the school district provides, you know, after school sports, after school mentoring, um, college counseling, those kinds of things, um, all within the realm of competitive rowing. So um, making sure that it's not, you know, a recreational sport for our student athletes, but that they get to compete against um, their peers in Lower Marion or wherever up and down the river. Um, and then we have a middle school program that George also manages, um, that seventh and eighth graders. Um, and that's kind of more of a fun dip your toe in the water introduction to the sport. Um, it's three days a week, um, and still has a lot of kind of those supports built in, just not as, it's not as heavy on the academic side of things. Um, that's really designed to just kind of like, like we were talking about before, be a feeder for the high school program. Um, and then the summer camps, they're just, they're two week long learn to row camps. Um, and again, they are designed to kind of give students a taste um, of what rowing is, see if they'd like it. And then usually that translates to them joining um, the middle school or the high school program. Um, and across all three of those programs, we do about 300, 350 kids a year. So um, summer camp introduces about 150 kids to the sport. Middle school is about another 100. Um, and then our high school program is around 100 kids as well. Just out of curiosity, do you know um, kind of about retention rates? You know, kids that start maybe freshman year, how many stick around through senior year? And then who goes on to row in college? 
Um, yeah, so I would say we have about 80% of our students are retained year over year. Um, a little bit, you know, less when you look from the 150 in summer camp that make it to senior year. But, um, and then we usually have, I would say three to five. So maybe 25% of our kids try rowing in college. We work really hard to provide, um, a welcoming, inclusive, and safe space for all of our athletes who can bring sort of any type of any any part of their background with them to our program and to provide a safe space for them. Um, and we work hard really with our coach development to like bring in people who understand that and who want to work towards that. And a lot of our kids have started rowing in college. Not all of them choose to stay for whatever reason, but um, you know, I think that it's not a uh, as enjoyable of an experience. I think there are some juniors programs that put a lot of emphasis in, and really value themselves on how many of their kids go on to row in college. And I don't know that, I think that's kind of a skewed metric for success, right? I think that there are many programs where that's their trajectory, like where, but the fact that you elevate, like your website is really great. We love your website. Um, you elevate your seniors and you say where they're all going to college and you uh, just celebrate that accomplishment. And it's, it's just as important that they feel like they've had four years of support from you or however many years that they're with you. Right. I mean, I, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, challenges with the college rowing pipeline, right. You know, um, a lot of the pay to play model has, um, been a challenge, especially within rowing. It's a very expensive support uh, sport for a lot of people. But you know, if you can't afford to participate in a very expensive summer camp or pay to row um, on a club team or any of those things, like you're missing out on the opportunities to get to college and and get those. So oftentimes, you know, college rowing scholarships are going to kids who don't necessarily need scholarship money. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of challenges there that we need to work around, especially in light of COVID, you know, for example, our kids have been training outside two to three days a week because we can't take them outside when it's 25 degrees versus, so how do you expect them to, you know, pull a 715 compared to their peers? And so I think it's just something that needs to be um, re-examined as we look at the equity across college rowing. Yeah, for sure. I, I wondered if anybody else wanted to speak to uh, what makes PCR special? You all have used the word transformation a few times or, or alluded to some sort of transformational aspect of rowing. And I absolutely 100% subscribe to that. Um, but what makes PCR so special and, and how has it been transformational for some of your rowers? As a former rower of PCR and now a coach, um, that's one of the big ones that stand out to me is that I went from rowing, assisting over the summer camps to then um, getting a job at PCR to help influence the next generation of younger kids that come through. And I always thought that in my heart, that's always special because PCR has done so much for me when I was in high school um, to like keeping me in there, making sure I'm on top of my work, having a couple of conversations with um, our counselor um, that's on staff, Emily. Um, as a, when I was in school, um, it was kind of a, 
love and hate relationship where it was just like, okay, this person wants the best for me, but like, God, I just want to breathe. And it's always like in your face, why aren't you doing this? Did you get this done? And I'm like, yes, I just want to row now. Um, but it was always, um, after leaving, I really took the time to understand that like, wow, um, without PCR there, like, you know, um, pushing me to do better and, you know, actually stop fooling around and get the work done. Um, it would have been a lot harder, but it was always there giving me that friendly reminder, like, Hey, um, you getting to row or being on the water, you know, is kind of, you got to earn that due to your grades and all that, because you're a student first, then you're an athlete. And I was always like, I just want to row and work out. Can I just do that? Um, <laughs> Which I, no. think is, which I think is what a lot of high school athletes are thinking, you know, yeah. why are they trying to push all this other stuff on me? Like, all I'm trying to do here is get my workout in and run around and burn off some steam. Like, you know, why are we doing SAT prep? Like, what's what's up with that? Like, why are we going there? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's always, I look back at it and I'm always like, that is a special moment of just having that friendly reminder of, hey, um, we're here for you, but can also just form the fool so time to take things a little seriously and it it always makes me happy just thinking about that moment of just all the struggles of like what high school ordeal it was and pcr was always there like we're here for you you got this thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with kuhn elbers chairman of arzv rowing in alkmaar the netherlands if you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. In two, we're back with Philadelphia City Rowing. That's one, two. We all know consistency and structure helps people from all kinds of backgrounds uh, thrive, right? And I think rowing is the ultimate, in my opinion, rowing is the ultimate in structure uh, because there's such a, a policy to it. There's such a, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, Christina could describe it better as a coxswain because she's the personification of all of that order, right? There's a certain way that we carry the boats. There's a certain way that we get in. There's a certain way that we start and stop and, and do all of that. Um, Christina, how do you think that that helps kids and, and how do you approach that as a coxswain, as a coach of kids from all kinds of backgrounds and abilities and learning styles? Right. Um, well, personally, obviously as a coxswain structure and like regimen are extremely important to me. Um, but one of the beauty parts about, um, like our program and all of that is that like, we are such like a tight knit family. So the kids know when they come in, all right, like we got to get the, the oars down. All right, you guys have to, you know, do your stretching. There are certain things that um, we're trying to, you know, establish with the kids. You know, we like, we expect our varsity to step up and do um, leading that stretching um, and really bringing up the novice class so that they do know uh, what the environment is like. Um, I would say that during um COVID, uh, we kind of sadly lost a little bit of that because the younger kids didn't really get to see firsthand, you know, the varsity um, conducting their practice. And I think that was a big way for the kids to learn about how 
um, you know, like our team operates and everything like that. Uh, but the kids now see the benefit of, and they know how things get delayed when we don't work as a team or accidents do happen when like, we're not listening to everyone, maybe like a skeg getting broken. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, the kids see the benefit of, you know, when we are all efficient, we're able to get out on the water and then you guys get to go home early and we're all happy at the end of the day. Um, but that structure, having that regimen of, okay, this is what we're going to do at practice. Like, all right, let's get the jokes out of the way in the warm up, and then serious time on the water that transfers over. It's like when you're in school, um, you know, we have so many of our student athletes um, come to us and, oh yeah, I'm president of my club at school for this. And, oh, I'm so organized. Um, we have one Cox and um, uh, Kara on our team. Um, you know, she's like in another sport and, um, and she was like on the debate team for a little bit too. Um, it was a big leader on that. And um, there are just so many skills that get, and the kids see it as they get older um, that transfer over and they become such empowering leaders, even in their own schools, um, you know, because they're known as like the Roman kids uh, because no one else at their school does it. So um, mm. it really is such a, you know, powerful tool. Yeah. It's like the famous, I can't, I have rowing. So they make better decisions. Like I can't go out late. I can't, <laughs> you know, I have rowing, you know, and they all, I mean, we can't say unequivocally that all kids are great kids who row <laughs> and totally on a great path. Um, right. But for sure, the fact that the weakest, the boat is only as strong as the weakest rower, the fact that they try to like always bring people up. It sounds like in your program, you guys really abs- ascribe to a relatable approachable, realistic, challenging approach. And one of the things that really struck Rachel and I, because Rachel's a graphic designer uh, by trade, I do a lot of social media content creation. You guys knocked it out of the park. That series of eight ways to make your boathouse more inclusive. To me, it felt like it went, you know, quote unquote, viral in the rowing community. And what I loved about that was it was finally a boathouse or a club that was in the trenches of issues of inclusion and diversity and challenges like that, that took hold of the national conversation rather than waiting around for maybe uh, the people that are supposed to be doing that. You guys just stepped into the arena and said, here you go. And it was probably one of the most shared things. I I want to, I just want to ask about how that all came about. You also did a uh, uh, one about your co- college culture, your college boathouses. So how did that get started and, and who was behind that uh, surge? I mean, it felt like you guys really surged to the forefront in terms of uh, content. Um, so we have a fantastic board member. We have a lot of fantastic board members, but um, Catherine Reddick, uh, who's on our board, um, and uh, Maddie, who works, who does our social media for us, um, you know, I think through throughout the last couple of years, like we had gotten a lot of um, offline asks for support uh, around inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion stuff at boathouses, how to improve it. Um, and we have a very small staff. Um, so until last June, I was the only full-time staff person. Um, we're now up to three full-time staff members, but, you know, it was just, we had a lot of people reaching out and uh, asking about what we've done because, you know, PCR has been around for 10 years and kind of has always, that's always been central to what we've done. Um, 
you know? And so, you know, it just, a lot of it was just that we didn't have time to field all of the questions coming in and that um, we wanted to just kind of produce something that was actionable and based on um, our historical experience uh, working in the field. And so, um, you know, we teamed up with some folks at Row New York and put some, some drafts together about uh, things that we thought could be actionable. And um, Catherine, Maddie, and myself, um, and some other folks have wrote in a lot of places and, and, you know, seen the different cultures from, you know, San Diego to CRI to <laughs> master's clubs, all of those things. And so trying to make sure that we have a broad understanding of what rowing looks like on a national scale. And then also kind of at the different levels to put together some, some more actionable steps and thought process of just, there's, you know, there were so many people that just, um, or clubs that didn't know where to start. Um, right. And I think creating, um, a statement or whatever that you want, that's great, but unless it's going to be really actionable and, um, have some legs to it, that there won't be a lot of transportation, uh, transformation. It's just words. College pipeline is not great. And, you know, we've had students who haven't had great experiences being recruited or going on to Rowan college. And so we wanted to kind of take some of that knowledge of what our, our kids have experienced and try to help college teams kind of make a difference because it, it's a different setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting to hear the back, you know, kind of like the backside behind the scenes. Um, Cause from, from the public facing view, I would never have guessed that it was like you by yourself, the one, you know, like the one full-time staffer and then working with just a couple of other folks. I mean, you've put together this really beautiful, um, consistent brand and messaging out to the public. And it has really been um, uh, just incredibly impactful and I think transformational and is changing conversations across the country. So I want to say thank you for, for yeah. making that happen. Um, and, and, you know, we, so we saw back in June, the, the eight ways to take action and make your boathouse inclusive. And then later in the year, um, some um, really fantastic guide to making college rowing more inclusive. And then what I've loved is just, it just keeps going and your, your feeds are full of great, and inspiring and motivating um, posts about National Girls and Women in Sports Day, Pride Month, Juneteenth, Black History Month. So I, you know, I know that other clubs are working towards these things, and it's just really fantastic to see you um, walking the walk and talking the talk and making things happen and and leading the way. I think for a lot of other clubs and programs across the country. And it feels like it upped the game for social media and rowing clubs, because I feel like some accounts got started, you know, out of that. Some podcasts have have obviously been elevated and amplified because of that. Some, you know, webinars happened, some collaborations happened. And um, I think we could- rowing stepped up. (laughs) Oh, well, yes, there's that. Um, But I think what it did was it set a fire, the conversation. And what I love about it was, we've been waiting for a long time for U.S. rowing to do something, right? And now we're seeing that the work is actually already happening at the club level and at the boathouse level, and that we've all been talking to each other for years, and we've all been working together for years. And now 
with social media being such an, a platform, we can share that content. Whereas in rowing, I think in the past, my experience has been, it's very siloed. Coaches don't talk to each other yeah. about drills. Coaches don't, you know, share their magic formulas. EDs don't collaborate. And now I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think we, out of necessity, have had to be like, how are you doing Zoom workouts? Did you do erg loner programs? Like, how did you do yeah. this? So social media has been, it's been interesting because, um, you know, we're a nonprofit. We fundraise a hundred percent of our budget every year. Um, and our programs are free to all of our students. And so, you know, we use it to fundraise. We use it to speak to parents and kids who might be interested in the program. Um, and, and only recently have we really thought about the rowing world as a whole. Um, you know, but I think what, what it comes down to is like, we try to make sure that, um, we're reflecting issues, events, happenings that our student athletes would be interested in, and that the people we're trying to serve are interested in. And, um, that's kind of more of how we think of it. So we know that you are one of many um, boathouse facilities on Boathouse Row, and we're curious about what that Boathouse Row community is like. You know, I think, uh, you know, I have rowed and lived in Washington, D.C. for just over 20 years, and Boathouse Row has always been this kind of mecca to me. And it took me a really, really long time to realize I could literally just go knock on a door and see if somebody would let me in. So what is that community like there and the work that you're doing? Or have you created partnerships with some of your neighbors? What do you feel like you bring to Boathouse Row? Do you feel like there is a community there? I think that, um, you know, like you said before, you know, in rowing, there's, there's, there tends to be a lot of kind of siloed behavior and kind of, you know, everyone's kind of focused on what they're doing. Um, but I think PCR's presence on the river has kind of expanded that a little bit and allowed um, a bridge from the community to Boathouse Row, you, you know, because of not only the students, but also the parents and the families that are coming down to support if they're racing or they just come down to check out a practice, they may take a, take a walk to one of the other boathouses and see what's involved in that. And I think we've been able to kind of hopefully make it a little bit more inclusive, a little bit more inviting uh, to people that are kind of brand new to the sport. We've also been able to let our kids um, do tours of some of the boathouses. Um, so we've had uh, some of our novices, I know George um, set some of that up um, so that they can go in and like tour everything and like see what the other boathouses are like. So that's been really cool too. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, what Richard Butler, what Richard Butler said to uh, on I forget where it was, but he said to be really mindful that people can't see what happens at your boathouse from the front of your boathouse, right? And when you look at the front of Boathouse Row, it looks very exclusive and very uh, exclusive. You know, it's there's a key code on the door. There's you know there's not an open door, um, but be having your kids on the other side and they can see all of the comings and goings. I'm ass I'm assuming it's the Google is just a traffic jam, you know, with uh, lots of negotiating uh, of where people are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, like we said, we don't we don't have a physical boathouse. So um, like George said, we are a bridge to the community, but in some ways, I think we also highlight a lot of the inequities that still exist, um, right? You know, our student athletes are using a public restroom. 
we don't have a running water fountain that they can like access all the time. We don't have electricity in our boatyard. You know, we have a fence with no roof, um, you know, and piers are in heated boathouses all year in their buildings, whatever. Um, so, you know, we are bridge and we hope to be a place where the community can see people that look like them um, and experience the sport in ways that the rest of um, you know, Boathouse Row, maybe they can't see into and they can't offer so that hopefully, you know, down the road, there can be uh, more um, inclusion of the communities adjacent to the river. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, George, Christina, and Mai, it's been really nice talking to all of you. Thank you for taking some time out of your morning to talk to us about your rowing background, rowing in Philly and PCR. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Have a great day. You too. Bye. You too. To see photos of Caitlin, George, Christina, and Mai, and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Totally. We should definitely tell them. We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and actually around the world. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I really look forward to Friday mornings when we get together for coffee chat on Instagram Live because we get to talk about rowing and racing and technique. But we also delve into things like DEI and motivation slumps. And it's always neat when rowers from around the world tune in. And so we hope you'll join us on Fridays, 8 o'clock West, 11 o'clock East on Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to our conversation. And we also know that everyone sometimes needs buddies to help get them through long pieces on the erg. I know I do. So we lead Steady State Sundays the fourth Sunday, basically, of each month at 6.45 a.m. West, 9.45 a.m. East. And when you register for this 60-minute Steady State ERG workout, we give cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way so you can work at your own pace and then stick around after to chat. Yeah, I really like that at your own pace. I row at about a 16. (laughs) So um, if you want to find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, go ahead and visit steadystatenetwork.com slash events. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience and running successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, where they champion inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original resource for master's rowers. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. Thanks so much for listening. In two, way enough. That's one, two, way enough.